Welcome to A Spin on Offshore Wind, the podcast brought to you by Energy Coast, North East England's offshore wind cluster. I'm Caroline Lofthouse, and in this podcast, I'll be bringing you industry insights, project updates, and news from the UK's leading region for offshore wind and further afield. Don't forget to click the subscribe button so each episode drops into your chosen podcast app or you will find them on energycoast.co.uk. This episode focuses on inward investment and how offshore wind can deliver a resurgence in British industry, innovation, manufacturing and skills. My guests, who are just the people to talk to about this subject, are Chris Beck, Director of Net Zero and Inward Investment at the Tees Valley Combined Authority and Guy Curry, Director of Invest North East England. Welcome guys, thank you for joining me. So first of all, what I'd like you to do is, um, could you please just explain for our audience what your organisations do um, and specifically in relation to offshore wind? That's okay. And I'll go to Chris first because you're joining me in the studio, Chris. So hello. Um, so Tees Valley Combined Authority is effectively one of the economic development agencies for the Tees Valley region. Um, we look after the five local authority areas. We're led by ele- an elected mayor. Uh, combined Authority covers a lot of different areas. But in offshore wind, we lead a lot on the inward investment, the innovation and the supply chain development. Guy, you're joining me on the line. Could you give us an introduction to Invest North East England? Yes, so I run uh, an organisation called Invest North East England, which is the strategic inward investment agency covering the north of the region. So I cover um, the area covered by the North East Local Enterprise Partnership or the North East LAP, um, and that covers seven local authorities, uh, County Durham in the south, Northumberland in the north, and then the five Tyne and Weir authorities uh, in the middle. Um, it's an area of about two million people. Um, and our role is to attract new inward investments into the region, so attract new companies to come on set up factories or offices in the region. One of our key sectors which we focus on is offshore wind, because there's so much potential and opportunity in the northeast. In terms of sort of northeast England as an example, um, what can inward investment bring to a region? Right, okay. I mean, inward investment's always been really important in the northeast uh, of England. And, and I probably the best example of an inward investment in the northeast was Nissan, which came in, in the mid 80s. Uh, and they set up a, a car assembly plant um, employing 500 people. It's now the most productive plant in Europe, it employs 6,000 people. 30,000 people in the supply chain, uh, produces one in every three cars made in the UK. So that's an incredible example of a transformational inward investment. And in terms of offshore wind, we've got so much opportunity where we are located in the northeast. We've got a fantastic heritage of engineering, design and manufacturing. And so for offshore wind, it can bring a huge number of opportunities for local supply chain companies, uh, can provide a huge number of new jobs. Uh, for local people, which is one of the key things which we're trying to uh, produce and, and develop in the northeast, uh, and working with some of the R and D um, institutions and universities, there's a, there's a tremendous opportunity for developing new innovation in, in offshore wind technologies. So I think combined inward investment is absolutely key uh, to driving all these things forward. Is there anything from the sort of Tees Valley area that you would like to add to that, Chris? I just build on that inward investment is how we're, we're driving the economy, whether it's from overseas or, or even controversial a little bit elsewhere in the UK. The Tees Valley, um, our big efforts are built around the Freeport 
and slightly differently with the steel site going with that opened up the Merrill Development Corporation, which is now Teesworks. And the ha- fact we have land and the deep port has seen a lot of investment. So that is forming a cluster. And again, building with the wider clusters that are coming on Humber as well and up in, in the north of the region, the whole wider region is becoming a big attractor for inward investment. And now really is the time. We're seeing that with the investments that are going into Newcastle, into Humber, and I say, and the big ones that are coming into the Tees. And the building of things like the new offshore wind key that, that we're, we're currently constructing on the Tees, which will be you know, a major step change and part of the key infrastructure we haven't had in the country. And if we're really going to build on this, we really need to get the companies around it, the anchor tenants, um, mentioned Nissan in automotive, but as we go into to offshore, recent announcements that have come in with, with SIA and, and more to follow, it's important we get those anchor people in, but the inward investment doesn't just sit at the anchor people, it also then flows into the supply chain as well, both locally and other companies coming in. And that's where, put back, we, we work a lot with NOF, as we know, to really build that. In terms of um, just sort of, you touched upon the Freeport there. Could you give us the kind of the story of Teesworks and what does Freeport status mean? So, um, Teesworks, Freeport, and how it all came. So, the story really starts, well, many years ago with the, the issues with the, the steelworks. But really, an anchor point is in 2015 when the steelworks closed. That led to a number of things happening. First of all, um, Teesside was selected as one of the first areas to form a mayoral combined authority, along with um, slightly smaller areas like Liverpool, Manchester, and brought the same powers and rights for the mayor that that sit there and, and brought us up a lot with London. And that was a direct response because of the economic shock of the steelworks. What that opened up to us is a unique opportunity with two and a half thousand acres of a developable land near the one of the deepest ports on the east coast of England, ready to go with a lot of power, a lot of infrastructure that was built in the 1960s and 70s by a nationalised company that you just wouldn't invest in today. So 40-odd kilometres of track. So 2014, it took three years to buy the site out of um, ownership, out of administration, using a, a compulsory purchase order, CPO. Once we got going, forming partnerships, We've spent a lot of time developing and and demolishing land prep, land remediation. The site's very big, but one area is specifically set aside for offshore wind. We then went out and got both freeport status and funding to build the quay as one of the designated areas in the UK. What freeport does for us is twofold, actually three probably. First of all, it gives us tax incentives to help companies set up on the site. And that's very important. It's, if you know enterprise zones, it's enterprise zones on steroids is probably the best way to describe it. Two, it gives us some unique customs advantages, which are available across the wider region, which I think will develop over time. And thirdly, it's brand recognition. Um, it's massively put the Tees Valley back on that map of things that are happening. We've had the land and the key, and that's invested already with one major investor we've been able to announce with SEA. There are a couple more that we're talking to. Obviously, we can't can't name as we're coming through. So I think we'll see three, four anchor tenants around it. But we're also seeing other companies and supply chains really build around that. And it's that free port recognition and that free port tax advantages. It's Can I just say, it's, it's not about workers' rights. 
been diminished. It's nothing like that. It's not tax evasion or anything. It's very simple. Don't have to pay your business. Your business rates are paid by the Treasury for, for the first five years. There's some write-off and analysis that you can write down your investments against your tax benefits. And there's a national insurance saving per employee. But it's still paid by, by the government. So it's very positive in where we're going. It sounds like it'll have fantastic um, implications, economic implications for the whole of the region. And kind of moving up the region, Guy, um, in terms of the areas of development that you've got in the north of the region, um, could you give us um, a bit of an overview of what's happening? Maybe it's up at the Catapult, Energy, Energy Central. Um, tell us about some of the investment areas. Yeah, certainly. <coughs> I mean... In, in the north of the region, we essentially uh, build our, our office for offshore wind around three rivers in, in our area. So that's the River Blythe uh, in the north, then the River Tyne, the Port of Tyne in the centre of Tyne Weir, and then the River Weir and the Port of Sunderland. Uh, so those are three deep water rivers uh, with development sites adjacent to them and a whole host of supply chain offshore wind companies already located on them and the surrounding industrial estates. So if I sort of take this north to south, um, on the Blythe, uh, we've, if you, if you go back 15 years, the port of Blythe was really a coal import, aluminium import um, port, which was dealing with sort of bulks, uh, cargoes, um, and it's completely transformed over the past 15 years. And it is now really a, an offshore wind hub and subsea engineering hub with a fantastic array of companies located there. Part of this was built around something called the Offshore Renewable Energy Catapult, or the Ore Catapult, which is a, an R&D facility, one of the best facilities in the world, uh, where the, you can test the longest wind turbine blades, uh, up to 110 metres long, uh, and the largest uh, turbines, up to 15 megawatt turbines. And around this, uh, coupled with the fact that you have the first offshore wind farm in the UK waters, located just off, off the port there. Um, there's been a fantastic amount of investment uh, and interest from subsea engineering companies and, and offshore wind companies. So we've recently had uh, JDR Cables um, announced that they're going to build uh, their second northeast factory, the first one down in Hartlepool in Tees Valley, um, which is going to create hundreds of jobs and uh, many hundreds of millions of pounds developing new cable manufacturing on that facility. Um, and that's actually just adjacent to the British Vault site, where uh, British Vault are going to be building one of two uh, electric battery gigafactories in the northeast, which are going to create thousands of jobs, which is, is another key sector which we're looking at at the moment. So, so Blythe has been really important, and, and, and Energy Central, built around that brand, it's been absolutely crucial for bringing in that investment, and there are a lot of really, really good quality, world-class companies located up there. Then if we f go further south on the River Tyne, uh, operated by the Port of Tyne, or most of the sites operated by the Port of Tyne. Um, so again, there's a, there was a sort of a traditional oil and gas uh, strength down there with large fabrication yards uh, and some very high-tech cable companies uh, located there with Baker Hughes and Technique FMC. Uh, but out of that sort of heritage in, in oil and gas manufacturing uh, and topside manufacturing, you've got lots of uh, offshore wind companies now uh, making major components of offshore wind farms. So you've got Smolders, for example, uh, which is a Belgian company operating the Hadrian Yard on the, the time. And they've been in the past building jackets for offshore wind farms, that's the foundations for offshore wind farms. Uh, and they're now just about to 
um, open up a, a facility manufacturing transition piece. Um, on the south bank at the Port of China State, you've got Equinor and SSE building new facility, which is going to be their O&M operations and maintenance facility for the Dogger Wind uh, farm, which is the largest wind farm in the world, which is currently under construction. Uh, and that's going to provide work for probably 200 engineers uh, and maintenance people for, for the next 25, 30 years over the lifetime of that, that, that investment. Um, and, and, so, and on, on, the, on the, the time, there are a number of uh, development sites. We haven't got a free port status like they've got down in Tees Valley, but there are enterprise zones there, which again, offer things like enhanced capital allowances and tax, tax benefits there. There's a lot of land to develop and it's next to deep water, heavy load out pads. So there's some really fantastic um, potential there. And on, on the Port of Sunderland, uh, on the River Weir, um, again, there's enterprise zones. It's a really vibrant port. It's a mixed port. They do lots of different things there, but there's, there's tremendous opportunities there as well for offshore wind companies wanting to get a, a toehold in, in the northeast. But I always I always look at the northeast, um, the north and northeast and Tees Valley as one sort of ecosystem uh, providing, you know, basically if you're going to build uh, an offshore wind farm, you need a number of components. And in the northeast as a whole, you can get the vast majority of those components built in one place with a really strong supply chain working into those uh, 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 tier one OEM. Chris, I'll bring you in at that point. Yeah, I just want to pick up the point. It's it, there's no artificial borders between the different regions. You know, we're one big cluster, and we need to drag that also to include Humberside as well. That this big North England region, all the way even to the companies that run out to Sheffield and Leeds, are all supplying in. We can all list the companies that are coming through, but as I said, it's those anchor tenants, those big companies, and the supply chain that go through. And also pick up, we talk a lot about offshore wind. We should also talk, expand it out a little bit to net zero on the wider low carbon side of things, where it's offshore engineering, because it's the same supply chain. And we see a lot of this with the carbon capture projects that are being developed on Teesside, where we've got the same companies looking to supply into this. And this is a great opportunity for the companies to grow. And that supply chain again. And we recently had a supply chain event for SIA. And we saw companies from right across the region, um, from the northeast, from Tees Valley and, and from further south in Yorkshire, coming together to look at what those supply chain opportunities are. But we also have the same things going on with the Net Zero Teesside um, BP-led project. So I think the opportunities now are so exciting in the whole wider region. And it's those multiple customers for our supply chain that are going to make such a difference and help growth. Definitely exciting times here in northeast England. Um, and how about sort of, you know, do you work together as organisations, Tees Valley Combined Authority and Invest Northeast England? How do you work together? And I know that you're both participants on the Energy Coast Industry Group. How do you work together to really set northeast England, um, you know, aside? Um, how do you spotlight it as the region to set up for offshore wind? Chris? Can I go to you first? Okay, so it, it works on many levels. And going forward, I guess it'll be a little bit different with a lot more combined authorities coming on board, especially with North of Tyne. How we work through is actually through the Energy Coast and through NOF. And that's the thing that both regions support, um, both with funding and, and things to go forward. We also work a lot um, with our friends south of us in Hull, and we do that through DIT, through um, some of the big 
um, marketing initiatives that are going on across both regions. But it tends to be on an, an active basis where we tend to, to work together to promote the wider region. And then obviously each region is slightly competing as each site goes forward. But like I say, that's probably how we do it. Excellent. Um, in terms of sort of um, yourself, Guy, have you got anything to add to that? No, I mean, I think, I think uh, Chris hit the nail on the head there. I mean, the northeast is is a cluster. It, we work very closely with colleagues down in Tees Valley because um, although, you know, individual sites can, are going to be in competition, we know that some of the big companies who are looking at uh, locating in the northeast are going to be aware that there are four rivers essentially in the northeast where they can locate and one further south on the Humber. Uh, and Chris is exactly right. This is the centre of gravity for offshore wind uh, development in, in, in the UK at the moment. Uh, and we need to work collaboratively to ensure that we make the most of that opportunity. Um, and, I, and I think that um, what, you know, going forward, we will continue to work with Tees Valley and with Energy Coast and NOF, going to exhibitions, organise the investor tours of the region to show them exactly what we've got and, and try and excite them and, and, and get them to invest in here and, and join the, the real world-class supply chain we've got here. And Energy Coast, with it being northeast England's offshore wind cluster, really brings um, the cluster, the region together to profile our region as the great place to be for offshore wind, um, set up originally by NOF, and we still um, deliver and um, deliver on all of the activities. Um, in terms of sort of if you had to pick three things about North East England that would seal the deal to bring a company here, whether that be a large anchor investment or an SME, um, Chris has mentioned, you know, it's not all about just large um, anchor investments. What would your kind of sort of three things about North East England be, Guy, um, that would seal the deal for to bring a company here to the region? OK, I mean, the first, the first thing I'd say is the location. So we're blessed in terms of where we're located. Uh, we're, we're sort of 10 hours sailing from Dogger Bank. So the northeast of England is in pole position to service Dogger Bank and then other um, offshore wind farms in the North Sea. Uh, and with that location, we've got a wide variety of sites on all four rivers in the northeast of England, which can provide the raw material in terms of a site, a base for uh, these companies to locate, along with deep water port access and, and heavy lift out uh, load out keys. So we've got the sort of the right location and the right sites here. Now the second thing I'd say was just the skills. Uh, we've got a really skilled workforce. Again, there's a, there's a really rich heritage of engineering um, in the northeast of England. Um, we've got, I think there's about 82,000 engineering jobs in a wider manufacturing uh, workforce of about 120,000. That covers Tees Valley and the north of the region as well. Um, so we've got a lot of lot of engineering talent here. We've got over 110,000 students at the, the five world-class universities in the northeast, uh, and nearly 50% of them are studying STEM subjects, which are the engineering, math, science, technology subjects. So the skills and workforce and the training providers which wrap around that is something that's really important for, for us in the northeast. Um, so, so skills is absolutely key. Uh, and and the, 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 the last thing I'd say is about the R&D expertise that we've got in the northeast. I mentioned earlier, um, the, the ore catapult in, in Blythe. That is really where a lot of these companies, uh, international companies, coming and testing their kit. Uh, and not only can they test to see exactly what, what the capabilities are and, and get the accreditation of them, by being in the northeast, they're part of this wider supply chain uh, and this wider cluster. And we've seen this before with previous example where people have tested their kit and then they're looking at making potential 
large investments in the northeast. So I think that 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 mixture of, of location and sites and access to market, the really good skills workforce have got with that really excellent training infrastructure, uh, and then those R and D and innovation assets are absolutely key to to, to what will drive our, our development of this opportunity forward into the future. Chris, have you got anything to add? Uh, just maybe one more thing, a can-do attitude. We want the companies to come and set up here. We do planning quickly. We want the companies to be here. And that's not always the case right across the UK. So in the wider, that's not just the Teesvire, the whole wider region want it to happen and really do happen. I'd amplify one point maybe on the skills as well. OREC is brilliant and is a great asset. We also have a lot of other innovation but mainly applied training assets right across the region so we do train all the inspectors that dive offshore they're done on Teesside we do train the life-saving skills so they can go and work off that's up in Newcastle we do this applied training and with the heritage and you can sit at any of the airports and watch the number of people that fly out on a Monday and fly back on a Friday night as we go around and do this around the world because we've got the skilled people our job if we get it right is to get those planes empty so they have opportunities here. And that's one of the big things that can really drive us forward is that skills base, as has already been said. I, I totally agree with that. And just, just to add on the, the issue of the can-do attitude, um, I mean, the public sector in the northeast is is very development-friendly. I'll just give an example. It's not an offshore wind example, but it's recent. Up in, up in Blythe, um, British Vault secured a planning permission for a, a 2.7 million square feet factory, which I think is the fourth, fourth largest building in, in the UK. Um, and they did that in 16 weeks, which is absolutely unheard of. That would never have happened that fast anywhere else in the country. And I think that provides testament to the, to the can-do development-friendly attitude that um, we've got in the public sector in the northeast. And that's really important because that's one of the big hindrances for a major investment in a, in a site which, which might need to be reclaimed and contamination. But if you've got a, a planning planning system which doesn't support development it's a real real problem and i think in the northeast that's completely the opposite we've got a really really uh, benign and, and positive planning system yep totally agree guy and i think chris has got something to add to that actually i do it's one of the biggest challenges we have with major investors when we're looking especially on the the bigger investments is trying to persuade them the planning time isn't 18 months as these are the places we actually are blessed with red car specifically because of the wilton site we turn around in nine weeks the, the plan applications, and no one ever believes us, but we did one recently spot on in eight weeks, which I know the, the mayor's very keen to always shout about. It's not a competition on weeks, whether it's 16, 8, it's still incredibly fast compared to the rest of the UK. And it easily, we always say, and I'm, the same is, is true up, up in Blythe, we can do planning quicker than you can mobilise to start building on the site. And that's the message we should be getting out there. Well, I can hear the passion for inward investment and for the region coming through in both of your voices there. So I'd like to thank you for your time, Chris and Guy, today. Um, I will be joined by more guests in the future that will expand further on the impact of inward investment and what it can lead to for supply chain companies here in the region. And don't forget, you can subscribe to A Spin on Offshore Wind on all good podcast platforms, or you can find it on energycoast.co.uk. That's E-N-E-R-G-I coast, all one word, .co.uk. Join us next time for a spin on offshore wind.